and the oscar goes to tom hanks in philadelphia and the oscar goes to lupita nyong'o and the oscar goes to halle berry in monsters ball and the oscar goes to hilary swank in boys don't cry and the winner is marvelous meryl streep and the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to... Olivia Colman. Welcome to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I am eating the cake at a May, Joey Gentile. And this arrangement is making me a whore, Brandon Stanwyck. And this is your LGBT guide through the Oscars per category per decade. And this is the class of 1993. Welcome back. How you been, buddy? I've been great. Uh, it'll be old news by the time this goes up, because as our listeners know, we record way in advance and out of order. But I just recorded um, a guest spot on our sister podcast, The Gaberits. They had me on. I was supposed to be back on way back when you were on it in like their second or third episode, but something happened and I had to postpone. So uh, I was on it this past week talking about uh, the current news of the time and the Oscars of 2012. So that was a pretty good time. It was uh, those two guys and then Josh Parham from ne uh, Next Best Picture. And we had a pretty good conversation. So uh, you can check that out. I believe it's episode 13. So that was fun. That was That was my week. Nice, nice. Uh, how is uh, Baltimore at this time of year? Are you getting any fall foliage yet? Yeah, so right now it's a cloudy day and it's about 68 degrees out and it's very pleasant. This is my kind of weather. Girl, same. Cleveland is like full bloom fall. And you know, like I am a self-proclaimed pumpkin spice princess. So yesterday I decided to go to Target and get everything I could find that was pumpkin spice. And then, of course, wake up to gorgeous weather today, enjoying my Starbucks pumpkin spice latte in-house. Got the windows open, breeze going, Bath and Body Works pumpkin candles. Dude, it's uh, I'm obsessed, and I know I have problems with this, but I got so far with my pumpkin spice addiction that I'm literally even sitting under right now a pumpkin spice throw that I got from Marshall's. You're so basic. I am so basic. As Alphabus brilliantly screamed at us in Wicked, you just can't bring me down. <laughs> like, this is my time of year. I'm feeling it. I love uh, Autumn, too. I love it so much. It's just my favorite. So one time of year, too, that it's like, it's not too cold, and it's not overly hot, so you're just not, you're, you know, you're not sweating. No one likes to sweat. I don't get why people like to leave snail trails as they walk around. I don't either. That's the m main reason that I uh, I lost my previous job that I mentioned last week. And I'm, oh, at my, yeah. I'm at my new one, which is all indoors and pays better. So I'm liking it more. Two claps for you. Boom. Um, so you just plugged a podcast. It'll definitely be out before this is um, before this is out. But I am doing a comedy show here in Cleveland in November. Um, that is actually benefiting the city's uh, dogs, like uh, the APL, the Animal Protective League here, and dog uh, sanctuaries. 
So I am going to be on the Guiltless podcast. Um, I record that uh, this coming Monday, actually, um, to talk about all things comedy and me as a uh, traveling comic across the states. And it, it, it's, you know, I am a good person. I'm doing a charity show, so it's it, it's going to be a good time. So that'll be out too. So I'm going to plug that now because that'll be out way sooner than this. So hopefully That's you heard awesome. us on. The- yeah, hopefully you heard us on the the Gavritz Guiltless podcast, and then of course, um, as of last week, we released our first film Twitter critics roundtable. So that was fun. Yeah, I listened to it. I was not a part of it because I I was in the process of moving to Baltimore when you recorded that. So uh, that was all in your hands, and I listened to it uh, the other day, and it turned out pretty well. I think I think it's a a nice jumping off point for future um, projects like that. Yeah, and it's really nice, too, because we've already got people asking us from Film Twitter Critics to be, like, on the next one, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, but I do want to shout out Craig Jordan here for a second, because him, we had uh, Craig as a guest on the class of, what was it, 88? 88. Yes. And so it's been a couple weeks since that has come out, and that episode has been our number one downloaded episode since it premiered. Like, wow. 1989 didn't even beat it. The Film Twitter Critics Roundtable hasn't even beaten it. Like, y'all love you some Craig Jordan, so we gotta definitely bring his ass back. They love Craig Jordan and Sigourney Weaver and Glenn Close. <laughs> right, right. The, tri- the trifecta. Yes, so kudos to Craig. Thank you for that. And kudos to you guys. Thank you for that. But this is actually a really exciting year. Um, You know, last week we had a very special guest uh, who is known as BKR, Be Kind Rewind. I, I kind of like just calling her BKR. I think, you know, that's what she – she's like Madonna. That's what she's just known by. You know what I mean? She's just known um, by her initials. Right, right. Uh, and that was a great that was a great episode. You know, it was our first um, time that we had a, a female co-host on, and it was great to get a female voice going. But now we're back to just you and I for this episode. Right. But 1993 is a good year, so I am ready when you are. I'm ready. Perfect. All right. So, your supporting actress nominees of 1993 were... Holly Hunter in The Firm. Anna Paquin, The Piano. Rosie Perez in Fearless. Winona Ryder in The Age of Innocence. Emma Thompson in The Name of the Father. All right, let us start with Holly Hunter as Tammy Hemphill in The Firm. This is Holly's second of four nominations, previously nominated in 1987 for Broadcast News. She's also nominated this year as a double nominee for um, Lead Actress in The Piano. And then she would follow this up in 2003 with a Supporting Actress nomination in 13. Um, Going into Oscar night, Holly only had a BAFTA nomination for Supporting and in The Firm, uh, Holly again plays Tammy, who is thrown into this world of corrupt law when she witnesses her boss's murder after um, pretty much having an affair with him. And as she's hiding underneath the, uh, the desk, he is murdered, and she helps take this very corrupt law firm down with Tom Cruise, essentially becoming his right-hand woman. So, uh, Brandon, what do you think of Holly Hunter as Tammy Hemphill in The Firm? 
So it's been a it had been a long time since I had revisited the firm. I mean, I had a phase in like middle school where I was reading John Grisham books because I thought it would I don't know make me seem smarter. I don't know. And so I read his early books, including The Firm, which I think was like his second book. And I watched the movie, and that's how long it had been since I had uh, experienced The Firm. And I it's so funny. For years, I have been completely misremembering her as the Gene Triplehorn character. Like, uh, like I have been like thinking for so long that she was Tom Cruise's wife in the movie and she was like helping him take down the firm as his wife. And then I was looking into the firm again and I was like, oh, that is not the character whatsoever that I had associated her with. So it was kind of fun coming back to a story and having my memory completely unraveled. But um, in this movie, you know, she's Holly Hunter and she has her Holly Hunter spunk that she brings to so many of her projects. And so she always brings like this charm that I really like. Cause the firm is not exactly my kind of thing as a film goer now at the age that I am. I kind of liked it, I guess, a little bit more when I was in my teenage years, but it doesn't really work for me as a movie so much these days. But Holly Hunter is sort of a breath of fresh air in this movie. She kind of adds this uh, energy that I think the movie needs at times. And I think she's doing perfectly all right. I don't find her to be bad in any way um but i'm not exactly over the moon with her in the firm specifically but uh how do you feel about her in the firm well starting off the movie i really like this movie because i love a good courtroom thriller drama like i think i've mentioned that before and i really appreciate the firm as a movie like it's it's fun it's campy um it does like i've seen it numerous times and i'm still for some reason on the edge of my seat every time i watch it so like i appreciate a movie that can do that after numerous viewings side note there was also a tv series sequel that was made from the firm where juliette lewis played this character um and this was only a couple years ago right a very short-lived series yeah if you get the chance to watch it and find it do it it's fun but I like Holly Hunter a lot in this. Um, you know, it's funny because I just posted her for, for your consideration ad this past week with it. And there were all, this was a mixed bag of reaction. Like some people were like, this is not even a coattail. This is a weird nomination. I know Andrew Carden, for an example, was like, this is one of the worst nominations in the supporting actress category ever. And then some people were like, oh, yeah, she's really, really good. I happen to be on the side that she's really, really good here because she's doing exactly what she needs to do. It's that simple trope of she's the like the quintessential supporting actress here. Um, she shows up. She does what she needs to do. She does it really well. Um, apparently, she only has about five minutes and 50 seconds of screen time from what I've seen. And every time she's on screen, her screen time is no, le- no more than 30 seconds, which seems a little off to me at, at, for a couple of scenes um, because there, I feel like there's a solid like a couple moments where she's really on screen and really carrying her scenes, what she needs to do. Um, but I think it's good. I, you know, it, it's small, but it's effective. It's a, it's a, it's a loud character, but she's not over the top. Um, I appreciate it. And I like this. Yeah. She provides the exact amount of energy that I think the movie needs when it needs it. Um, and she's, she is definitely doing her job. Like you're saying, she's like the quintessential supporting player and she only she has very little screen time in the grand scheme of things, considering this movie's like two and a half hours. Yeah. So she has a very small fraction of this film, but I think she does elevate the movie when she's in it. But as a performance, I'm not sure how much it's really demanding of her and how much mm-hmm. this is really challenging her as an actress. But mm-hmm. she's not actively bad by any means. Um, 
I don't have any problem with the nomination per se, but it's not exactly like a stellar performance in my book. Yeah, yeah. And you know who could have played this in the 70s? Karen Black. Karen Black. This is totally a Karen Black role. I could have totally seen it. Yeah, this would have been a Karen Black role had this come out in the 70s. Or maybe a Madeline Kahn role in the 80s or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Look at us. Bring back remake, our favorites. We should have – the firm should be remade every decade with a new iconic woman in this part. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's the only reason to remake it. <laughs> yes. Um I feel like whenever we, because we're going to get to the day where they, we're, we're, we're done with this podcast, and that's just the truth about everything. Everything always ends. But I feel like if we ever come back to this down the line, we need to just do a con black podcast where we just like cast them in everything and talk about how much better it would be. Oh, yeah. So that'll be our sequel podcast. Okay. Perfect. Moving on. Yep. All right. So our next actress is actually our winner this year. This is Anna Paquin as Flora in The Piano. This is her sole nomination and sole win. Going into Oscar night, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress, an L.A. Film Critics Association win for Best Supporting Actress, but she tied with Rosie Perez for that, and a National Society of Film Critics nomination for Best Supporting. In The Piano, again, Anna Paquin plays Flora. She is the daughter of Holly Hunter's character, who is forced to move with her mother to New Zealand for um, as a love interest. Uh, not obviously Flora, but Holly's character. And she's uh, also Holly's character's interpreter as um, her character is a mute. So she's really the only one who can communicate directly with her mother. Um, also, Flora is a little shit. Uh, she's a compulsive liar and um, really smart Alec for her age. Uh, so what do you think about Anna Paquin as Flora in the piano? I think this is a really great breakthrough performance and role for Anna Paquin. I think Paquin and Jane Campion handle this character very well, and she works very well within the story. Um, like if you listen to our previous episodes, you know, I am kind of have mixed feelings on some child actors. Sometimes they're a little too precocious for my taste. But for some reason, this one really works for me. I think it's because the story really needs her. Like, she has to be there sort of as, like, an, an audience interpreter for a lot of what's going on, at least early on in the movie, in order to sort of set the ground rules for how the relationships between these characters are going to play out. And, yeah, she is kind of a little shit at times, and I think it's kind of um, enchanting in a way. I really like this character, and I think Anna Paquin really taps into how fun a character like this can be to play. And so, yeah, I'm, I really like it. How do you feel? Um, I'm, I'm a mixed bag with this one. Um, I, so I, I really hate the piano as a film. I find it very boring. Um, I like, I love period pieces for certain movies. Like obviously like Merchant Ivory definitely established. I'm not a fan of that. But then I look at a period piece like the, like, um, the favorite and I'm like, that's amazing. This um this is not a film where I'm too keen on. The only thing that saves it for me really are these performances, and um, uh, what's his face? Not Sam Neill. Harvey Keitel. His ass in this movie. I'm into it. Like, I, and I never thought I would say that about a Harvey Keitel out of all people, but like, I'm into it. So like, those are his the only saving graces here for me. Um, focusing obviously here on Flora. She is really good when she's delivering certain lines. Like when she's talking about the storm, 
she's really fucking good, which was also her Oscar clip. But then I think of, like, the scene where she's delivering the fingers to Harvey Keitel, and she is so hammy that I'm just like, okay, where exactly did we vote for her here? Did we vote for her because of a scene, and she won because of the storm scene, or where she watches her mother um, get her fingers chopped off? Or, I mean, what is going on here? Because it's not a very... um, I'm at a loss of words today. It's not a very well put together performance as a whole to where it's very well put together in certain parts. So this win for me, while I don't hate it, I'm not like, yep, there it is. Like Tatum O'Neill. But again, Tatum O'Neill was the wrong category here. Um, I don't, I don't know about this. Yeah. the, The thing with a lot of child actors, especially ones as young as Anna Paquin is in, the piano is sometimes I think without the training and experience, a lot of them tend to struggle with sort of layering the emotions uh-huh. and the intentions and whatnot. But then again, children don't really do that a whole lot either. A lot of kids in real life are just very presentational with how they're feeling. So mm-hmm. sometimes that does work for me. I'm okay with it. So it's kind of, it's, it is kind of a mixed bag just with children, your child actors in general. You kind of have to approach it from where they're coming from, you know. It's kind of hard to explain. Kind of, I think I'm kind yeah. of struggling, kind of how you were. But yeah, you kind of have to approach it sort of in your own way, and also from where they're coming from and how it's working in the grand scheme of the entire movie. And mm-hmm. I think what Anna Paquin's doing is working, but I can definitely see how some decisions might pull some people out. Yeah, you know, we haven't we have a couple child actors still coming up with him, you know, Abigail Breslin, Saoirse Ronan, Quibbish Haley Joel Osment. Oh, he's a, he's a guy. But we'll get to him Haley Haley Steinfeld, you know what I mean? Like so we have some to come up, but we you know, we have talked about like Quinn Cummings and um we talked a little bit about Justin Henry even though he, we didn't talk about him. We talked about Kramer versus Kramer. And like Quinn though, for example, is a consistent that's what I was looking for. Consistent performance the whole way through. Um, where Anna Paquin is not consistent here with anything in this performance. And I do blame some of that on Jane Campion's directing, and I do blame some of that on Anna herself. So I'm just, I don't know, I'm a little tied with this here. Yeah, well, they are two very different settings in two very different movies and different characters. So I see the comparison, but then again, these are two polar opposite movies and characters. So, yeah, it's a tricky, uh, tricky mixed bag. Yeah. Well, we'll, mm, I don't, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. I just felt like that kombucha girl. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I'm talking I, about? Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, next uh, nominee, actually, and there's a story to go with this nominee here, too. Um, so I'll get to that when it's my turn. But Rosie Perez as Carla Rodrigo in Fearless. This is her sole uh, nomination. Um, going into Oscar night, she only had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting, and then, of course, she tied with Anna Paquin for the L.A. Film Critics Association with a win. Um, in Fearless, again, Rosie Perez plays Carla, who is a victim, a surviving victim of a plane crash where she loses her infant baby um, because, as it turns out, Instead of holding on to him, she let him go. So she's dealing with survivor's guilt, loss, 
um, the thought that she may have actually murdered her child. And she meets a character uh, who is played by Jeff Bridges, who shows her there's more to life than just death. So what do you think about Rosie Perez as Carla in Fearless? She is a thunderstorm in this movie. This is a role that has so much weight to it. And Rosie Perez carries it with such grace. Uh, this is my first time watching this movie. And she oh, really? Re- yeah, she really takes it out of you in this one. Uh, she, I felt so drained after pretty much all of her scenes. And it's crazy that this was her only nomination that she's had so far. I think she's certainly worthy of better uh, roles than she has gotten over the years. Uh, I think she's fantastic and fearless. I agree. I think she's really good. Um, you know, she's such a standout here for this entire film because the film itself isn't great. Um, yeah, it's, it's an okay movie. It's a very okay movie. And I'm not a huge fan of Jeff Bridges. So it's like, I, I don't really look forward to films that he's in because he's just one of those actors. I just, I there's something about him. I just can't, I can't deal with. Um, he's a very specific, like, Jeff Bridges character that he kind of yeah. draws upon for not all of his performances, but in a lot of them. And I think Fearless is an example of that. Yeah, like, I'm not saying, like, he's my male Glenn Close, but, like, cause I just genuinely don't look, I like, I don't seek out movies with Jeff Bridges unless I have to watch them for something. Because there's something just I find annoying about his acting. But, again, it's that Jeff Bridges thing, like you said. Yeah. Regarding Rosie, though, she's heartbreaking here. She is absolutely just upsetting. You feel her pain. She's so expressive. And her accent does, like, her, her Brooklyn accent that she normally has really works with her here. Because it it makes her stand out in a sea of San Franciscans. So you're really paying attention to her and what she's saying because it's such a thick accent and her character doesn't hide it. So, you know, there's that scene where she is after they go shopping where, you know, where they crash into the wall there on purpose, on purpose, where which, by the way, she did not hold that fucking toolbox like (laughs) all the toolbox. okay, boom throws it out the window. Um, Well, I think that was that was the point of the exercise, I think. Yeah, but, you know, she, she she's crying about how her baby, she let go of her baby, and you're just in this, like, whirlwind of sorrow and hate for her, but then you feel for her, and it's just, it's all over the place. Yeah, I, like I, I found myself leaning in, like, literally leaning closer to the screen every time she was on, because she was, like, physically pulling me toward her with her mm-hmm. performance, and she is just straight up fire in this movie. Like I love the the um, support group scene where she tells off that guy. Mm-hmm. When he, like I was like snapping my fingers at her. I was like, "You go, Rosie Perez!" Like this is a one nomination thing for her so far, and I think that's a crime. Uh, she is so good and fearless. Yeah, I'm not sure how she's only got one nomination, but then like it's also not her fault because Hollywood doesn't know what to do with X. Ex- ethnic actors yeah you know it's not her fault but right. at the same time and i think this goes for any established actor even people who aren't established if you're so good at it and you have the money for it create your own content mm-hmm. so i'm like if i'm rosie and hollywood couldn't do something with me and puts me to these supporting best friend roles i think i would be like i'm gonna write something and i'm gonna produce it and i'm gonna do this 
I'm not saying it's her fault, but I think she has the talents where she could do that. Yeah, I think that that's probably easier done today than it might have been in 93. 93. Yeah. Um, given the advances in technology and media and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not exactly that she's an, she's not an unknown. It's just she does have that very specific type that a lot of movies just don't know what to do with without pigeonholing her into these very specific types of characters. Yeah. Like, I know sometimes it gets thrown around like, oh, sh- this actor never capitalized on their Oscar or whatever. And yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So often it's not there. It's not in their hands their careers so often it's at the hands of the people who are willing to hire them and have the projects that are right for them and are worthy for them and rosie perez just kind of fits that type where people just didn't know what to do with her or the roles were beneath her so i don't fault her for only having one academy award nomination it's the industry for not having adequate opportunities for everything yep so agreed so the story that goes with this so of course you know, we've talked about it before where we, I love the view. You listen to the view. I don't know if you love it as much as I do, but I think you um, like it a little more. I do watch it, but I think you're much more of a fanatic than I am. I mean, I went to a fucking taping of it. I love the right. view. So, um, Rosie Perez spent a season and a half on the view with Whoopi. And I remember them talking about Oscar time and Whoopi had hosted the Oscars for the first time the year that Rosie was nominated And I remember her saying that um, she had been talking about how her first interaction with Whoopi was before the show started. Whoopi came down the aisle and was so certain that Rosie was going to win that she knocked Rosie on the shoulder and said, it's all yours. Get ready. And so Rosie was genuinely excited and then didn't win. And and Whoopi said she felt so bad that she sent um, Rosie uh, a bottle of wine afterwards with an apology. (laughs) Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, man, I like. I mean, I, th- I told the story about how, when we did about Amy Irving, how she was on that round table and, and everyone told her it was actually hers. So I'm like, God, I just couldn't imagine being in that position and then not winning. Right. Because like if the host tells you to get ready, you think, oh, they must know something. They're part of this ceremony. Uh-huh. I have to get ready. And then yeah. the other name gets read and you're like, oh, OK. <laughs> and then yeah. you sink back into your seat. I can imagine how like dispiriting that would be. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you go and watch Anna Paquin's win, everyone was truly shocked and awe with that win. I mean, there are people who scream like, "What? Like, it's it's insane." No one it's no one expected Anna Paquin to win, so I'm sure for everyone it was just one big shock. Yeah, I bet. So moving on. Okay. All right. So our fourth nominee this year was Winona Ryder as May Wayland in The Age of Innocence. This is her first of two nominations. Um, going into Oscar night, she had a, she won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting. She was nominated for the BAFTA for Supporting. She is um, nominated also for the New York Film Critics Association for Supporting. And she won for National Board of Review for Supporting. In um, The Age of Innocence, again, Winona Ryder plays May. Um, and she, she essentially is the love interest in this film to Daniel Day-Lewis. But at the same time isn't the love interest because he really wants to be with Michelle Pfeiffer and may kind of like sneaks her way back in and ends up in this like weird, but love triangle. That's not really a love triangle. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird to explain, but what do you think of one on a rider here? There is a very deep mood to this character 
that I sort of tapped into a little bit more on this most recent rewatch, mm-hmm. there's like a a very palpable sadness and loneliness to this character that I noticed more so this time really zeroing in on Winona Ryder. And I kind of dig it, actually. Like, I feel like I was kind of jibing with this character a little bit. And it's sort of a demure performance in a lot of ways, in a in a way that I think really works for her and the way her character needs to function within this story. And I just really felt what she was going for here. Heard, heard. Um, remember when I was talking about uh, period pieces with Anna Paquin and how I didn't like the piano? Yeah. This happens to be a period piece that I fucking loathe. Um, I think this is one of Scorsese's worst films, and this performance is terrible. Um, let me just start with she's in the wrong category. She is the she is definitely not the supporting here. Um, she is the female lead. She's in the entire fucking thing. And not only that, but her acting comes off so fake. Like, what is this accent? Like, everyone else is in this, like, colonial, old-timey accent. And then you have Winona Ryder playing Winona Ryder dressed up as a woman. Like, there's no acting here. She's so dry. She's so unbelievable. And not only that, there's just, like, I like Winona Ryder as an actress, but this is not good. This is, like, bad, bad to me. And it's funny because the actual supporting that year was uh, Maria Margulies, who has gone on record on Graham Norton saying that Winona Ryder being in this category is complete bullshit because I know Miriam got a BAFTA nomination for this role and she's really good for the small role that she has. Like this should be her spot, but Ryder here. mm No baby. No, this is no bueno. I guess I never really thought about her being in the wrong category while watching it. I suppose I sort of would have put Michelle Pfeiffer in lead if I had to pick between the two of them because Michelle Pfeiffer seems to be driving it a little bit more. But I'm sure there's definitely an argument to be made for it, but it didn't occur to me while watching it. So I so I guess for right now, I'm okay with her being in supporting. This is definitely an odd Scorsese film, sort of in the grand, like... Scheme of Scorsese. I know, that seems to be like my phrase of the day. But when you're looking <laughs> at all of Scorsese's movies, this one does seem to be a little bit of an outlier, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with a lot of his others, and I think that's kind of cool. I think his directing is a little presentational at times, and there's a little bit too much voiceover for my taste. But um, as far as Wynonna Ryder goes, I'm perfectly cool with her in it. I don't really have anything bad to say. I can see how it wouldn't work for a lot of people, especially those who don't like the uh, more quiet and calculated type of performances. But it definitely seemed to have worked for me a little bit more. And... Uh, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I I don't know. This is just one of those movies, too, that feels like it's runtime. Like, yeah, I agree. I would probably agree with that. It does feel a little long at times. Yeah, okay, so like I saw It Chapter 2 last night, and that was two hours and 49 minutes, and it made Titanic feel like an 80-minute movie. Like, that felt long. This is also one of those just feels-long movie because it's, I think it's just boring as fuck. Like, I'm not interested in anybody here, but, yeah, um, it's weird to me that she was kind of, her and Perez were the, well, Perez but is great, but it's kind of weird to me that her, it was between her and Perez, like, they were the two front runners here, and, but again, the Globes are going to Globe, so. Right. But, um, 
All right, moving on to our final one. We have Emma Thompson as Gareth Pierce in 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 the name of the Father. This is her second of five nominations, uh, winning just the year before uh, for oh my god, Howard's End. Thank you. Sorry, as we heard last week, I fucking hated that movie. Um, You're already repressing won- it. I'm, I've repressed it already. Um, in the name of the Father, or I'm sorry, Howard's End, and then she would follow this up with um, a win for writing in Sense and Sensibility and a nomination for Sense and Sensibility in the lead. Going to Oscar night, she just had a Golden Globe nomination for supporting. And in in in, in the name of the Father, Emma again plays Gareth Pierce, who is the lawyer, um, the defense lawyer for Daniel Day Lewis's character, who has to prove to the court that he is actually innocent. Uh, and not guilty of the bomb accusation that is placed upon him. Um, so what do you think about Emma Thompson as Gareth Pierce in, 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 in the name of the father? This is like a slowly brewing performance. Like we would get sprinkles of her throughout the movie, but it seems like the bulk of her work is in the second half, particularly in the final act of the movie. And she has a very explosive courtroom moment that has sort of been built up to all throughout the movie, and I think she is just a fireball incarnate in this courtroom scene. And I think she's really good here. And um, this was my second time watching this movie. I had seen it like a long time ago and hardly remembered anything about it. In fact, I probably—I don't even think I liked it the first time I watched it. But Emma Thompson is so good in it, and she kind of made me like the movie a little bit more. There's an authenticity to this character and a very um, passion a very strong passion to it that that i really dug how do you feel about her i really really like in the name of the father um i i think it is such a great character study all around for every character in it um you get so much of daniel day lewis in here you get so much of pete possibly even with his limited screen time emma thompson for her very limited screen time you get a lot from this character um I was actually, I remember my first time viewing it, and I was like, really? Like, she's barely in it, and she got nominated here? And then it was upon my second viewing that I was able to appreciate it more, because yes, she's barely in any of the movie until the very end. But in a way, you as the audience are really her character, because you explode with her. Because you as the audience, you're getting all the information fed to you through imagery, so you can't be in the movie to scream for the innocence of Daniel Day-Lewis. So that's why you have Emma Thompson doing it. And I think it's really effective. Um, I like this a lot. I actually would like say this is probably my favorite of Emma Thompson's nominations. I'm just going to put that on record. Okay. Yeah, I like it a lot, too. I think she's really good here. And it seems to be a, a, a performance that seems to be, would you say, forgotten or sort of lost in the mix of all her other performances? Yeah, I would I would say that because I mean when you think of Emma Thompson, what do people think of? She they think of Love Actually. Well, Howard then because she won for it, so that's a natural connection. You know, you think of Sense and Sensibility also because she won for it. But then you got uh, Stranger Than Fiction, and then Saving Mr. Banks was pretty recent. So I mean, of course, the ardent Oscar people never forget in the name of the Father. But I think to your average moviegoer, in the name of the Father is not like the first maybe even five Emma Thompson movies that you think of. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a shame because I think she's really wonderful here. Yeah. I mean, even for Daniel Day Lewis in the name of the father, isn't what your average moviegoer is going to think of. Right. Like I think it's the film as a whole is just forgotten. And that's sad. Yeah. I I want, I want her to be my lawyer. If I ever need one. Right. 
Well, that concludes our supporting actresses for this year. Okay, moving on to leads. Your leading actresses from 1993 were... Angela Bassett. What's love got to do with it? Stockard Channing in Six Degrees of Separation. Holly Hunter in The Piano. Emma Thompson in The Remains of the Day. Deborah Winger in Shadowland. Okay, let's start with our winner for the year, Holly Hunter, winning for the piano. This is her third of four nominations, previously up for Broadcast News and then The Firm here in 1993. Going into this, she won just about every major award. She wins the Golden Globe for Drama, the BAFTA, the AFI. She wins with the London Film Critics, the Boston Film Critics, the Chicago and Dallas and New York Film Critics. She wins the National Board of Review and the National Society of Film Critics and the L.A. Film Critics, and she also wins at Cannes. And she didn't really lose any of the major awards going into this. And in the piano, Holly Hunter plays a woman named Ada. She's a mute woman in the 19th century New Zealand, and she arrives on shore with her daughter and her piano to be with her new husband. And she soon after begins a physical arrangement with a land worker who has obtained her piano. So how do you feel about Holly Hunter in the piano? Meh. I'm not as keen to this performance as everyone else is. Um, you know, I did mention when we talked about Anna Paquin that it is kind of these characters and performances that do save this movie. Um, but with that said, she's all right. I mean... She's not doing much. She's facially acting, sure, but most of this, most of her emotion is coming through Anna Paquin. So I'm not even sure really why she was nominated here, let alone she won everything. Um, I've seen better from Holly Hunter, and we will continue to see better from Holly Hunter. And I will also go on the record saying her the firm nomination is better than the piano nomination. So there's that. So I really like Holly Hunter in the piano. Um, there's a haunting quality to this character and to this film that I find super captivating. There's a specificity and a very precise nature to this character that I think Holly Hunter excels at. It's she's very limited in a way, due to the nature of this character. But I think she's able to convey what's going through this character's head and heart throughout the movie. And she kind of pulls me in, in a way. And I've, even though, yeah, Anna Paquin is literally translating for her, so to speak, and she's sort of her voice box, except for the little voiceover moments that we get, I think Holly Hunter is really telling a story here with her face and her eyes and her hands that not all actors would necessarily be able to do as well. So yeah, I, I really do like it. I think it's, it's a very haunting performance that stays with me. You know, I'm like, I, I do appreciate and can appreciate the moment where her fingers get chopped off. I think it's a very powerful moment, but as a whole, there's just not a lot going on for me here. Um, for me to like rave about and 
I know this is unpopular, and I know I'm going to get the from some of the people the ads on Twitter for this one, but it's not. I just I think this is one of those performance performances that when I went into it the first time it was so hyped because it's like the winner and people love her and I'm just like what I don't mm, mm, I don't get it um you know I'm not taking away anyone who likes this but it for me this just did not work yeah I think that's perfectly okay like there's a very unique nature to Jane Campion's films particularly her late 80s early 90s movies mm-hmm. and I think that plays into her character work and how she brings these people to life with her actors. And I can understand how that wouldn't be for everyone because it's very unconventional. But it definitely works for me as a moviegoer. It's very uh, my shit, as the kids say. (laughs) As the kids say. I can dig it. Yeah. Anything else about Holly Hunter? No, ma'am. Okay. Next, we have Angela Bassett nominated for What's Love Got to Do With It. This is somehow her first and only nomination in her career. Going into this, she wins the Golden Globe for Comedy Slash Musical and the Image Award, and she's nominated with the Chicago and Dallas Film Critics, as well as at the MTV Movie Awards. In What's Love Got to Do With It, Angela Bassett plays Tina Turner, and we see her from her days before fame, through her rise, through her abusive relationship with Ike Turner, and her eventual break from him. So thoughts on Angela Bassett and what's love got to do with it? Give me all of it. Oh my God. It's so good. Like it's, this is one of those movies where I didn't see the actor. I saw the character like Angela Bassett completely transforms into Tina Turner. And I, I like want this movie to be a 12,000 hour movie because I could watch it all day. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's gut wrenching. When she beats the shit out of Ike, you're like, get it, girl. Like she just fucking commands and she demands and commands the attention and she deserves it. And it's fucking brilliant. Um, so I like it a lot. Um, I really don't understand how this is her only nomination. I don't get it. But again, like Rosie Perez, Hollywood didn't know what to do with her. Yeah, she had some hits like Waiting to Exhale and How Stella Got Her Groove Back. And granted, the Academy has gone out of its box before to like nominate, quote unquote, not Academy films. But she just wasn't given the material. Like her follow up to this was Interview with a Vampire. or not Vampire in Brooklyn. Vampire in Brooklyn, my bad. Like, come on. She deserves better. She deserves better. And I I love her on Andy Cohen because she shades... Holly Hunter so badly. Um, she gets a call. Have you ever seen that? I don't think so. I'll have to send it to you when we're done here. She gets a caller calling in and is like, do you, are you upset or something? Like, do you ever think that you were robbed from the Academy? She's like, absolutely. And then Andy Cohen's like, what for? Who, what's love got to do? She's like, yeah. She's like, Holly Hunter's performance was very mute. And I had to do a lot more. And I'm like, you're right. You go girl. You get it. So I fucking really love, love her in this. Yeah, she is. She's a fucking goddess, just in general, and especially in this movie. Um, also, special shout out to Strange Days, another movie she would follow up. Uh, What's all I've got to do with it? With um, early Catherine Bigelow movie that she's really good in. But yeah, 
she's so good in this movie. It's kind of funny. For the longest time, when I was a child, I thought she was Tina Turner. Like, when I would see her <laughs> in, like, like, it would be on TV or, or something. And, like, my mom likes this movie and Angela Bassett, so I would, like, see it. And, you know, they use Tina Turner's tracks, so it sounds exactly like her. And so when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that's actually Tina Turner singing. That is her. And so then when I would see her on TV and things like Stella and Exhale, I just thought Tina Turner had a movie career. Like, I didn't realize this was this other actress who had just played her so well because I was a kid and didn't know things. But yeah, she completely becomes Tina Turner in this movie, and she sells it so fucking well. And she goes through everything. Like, like I know I don't like to bring in the stuff outside the movie, but Angela Bassett, like, went through so much to be to train, to become Tina Turner, like, her, like, physical regimen and her, like, exercise, that everything that she had to go through in order to do these steps and really keep up with the, like, crazy marathon running type of performer that Tina Turner is. And she really sells this character, not only when she's on stage, not only when she's in the studio, but in her just life, dealing with the fame and Ike Turner and trying to be her own individual person separate from him. And you really feel that struggle. And it's insane that this is her only Oscar nomination. And yeah, another case of Hollywood not being very kind to certain types of actresses. But yeah, this is this is a remarkable performance from Angela Bassett. I'm all in for it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I mean, we're just we're just gushing about it. We could have an entire episode about Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a spinoff from our Madeline Kahn Karen Black <laughs> series. Yes, yes. Oh god, she's so good. I I I need her to do a comeback. Like, can can we get her? Because I my personal I favorite so. season of American Horror Story is Coven, and can we just get her as Marie Laveau in a Marie Laveau movie? Like, oh, we should. I think she has her own comic series at the old bookstore I used to work for. There was a, a Marie Le- Laveau uh, comic. Yeah. Like if I was Ryan Murphy, I would not even if I was Ryan Murphy, if I was someone who had money that could buy this character from Ryan Murphy and create it into a film, I would be like, here's all the Oscars. Send them her way. <sighs> Poor Angela. It's a crime. Crimes. Yep. Crimes of the Bassett. Right. So moving on? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next we had Stockard Channing for Six Degrees of Separation. This is her first and only Oscar nomination as well as of today. She does not win anything major going into this, but she's recognized at the Golden Globes and with the Chicago Film Critics and the National Society of Film Critics. In Six Degrees of Separation, Stockard Channing plays Weeza a rich woman of influence in the New York City arts and culture world. Then one night, she and her husband are conned by a young man uh, who claims to be a friend of their son. So thoughts on Stalker Channing and Six Degrees of Separation? I love her in this, too. Like, this is perfect comedy done right. And it's not ha-ha-ha comedy. It's like the perfect, subtle, poignant moments of hilarity ensued with drama. And poor Stockard Channing did not stand a snowball's chance in hell on Oscar night. Because 
why she was overshadowed with Bassett versus Hunter. And it is a fucking crime because she is heartbreaking. She is hilarious. She is serving gay rights. Well, everything except for that ugly ass gaudy red apartment. But (laughs) her in six degrees is such a breath of fresh air. And it's like, what I mean by that, it's not, it's not like, you know, the go-to Oscar nominations. Like she didn't play a hooker. She didn't play a nun. She didn't play, you know, a maid. She, she's playing an, an everyday you and me who just happens to be rich and conned. And you know what I mean? Like she's playing, she's playing a 1% average Joe, if that makes any sense. And it's refreshing. And it's, you know, it started off as a play. She was nominated for the Tony for it. Maybe she won the Tony. I think she won the Tony for it. I actually didn't even look that up. I should have. That's okay. Um, And it's such a great uh, film adaptation. And it is one of only three roles that Meryl Streep was ever turned down for. Because Meryl Streep wanted this role. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. So I like it a lot. What do you think? They're making a film of Cats. (laughs) They are now. That moment, that line... I was laughing so hard. I actually paused the movie because I could, because this was like when the the trailer had like just been released and I had never seen Six Degrees of Separation before watching it for this. And so I get to that moment where the Will Smith character says something about a film adaptation being made of cats and Stockard Channing's reaction is priceless. Oh, she yes. looks so appalled and so offended on an artistic level that they're making a film of cats and I was shook. I loved it so much. Um, I also just love Stockard Channing in this. This performance seems very self-aware. It's it's like a very subdued satire in a way, this particular type of character. I feel like Stockard Channing knows people exactly like Weeza, these sort of rich older or rich women of like a certain age who have what they think is influence. They think they're a big deal in the like arts and culture world when it comes to donating money and selling and acquiring art and things like that and having your name on plaques and all this nonsense that rich people do to make themselves feel even more entitled. And she is hilarious in this movie. I'm pretty sure Stalker Channing is definitely in on the joke. Like she knows that Weeza in and of herself is a joke. And it's so entertaining to watch her and her husband played by Donald Sutherland be swindled by this young con artist played by Will Smith. And she, she of course, like you said, no way in hell was she ever winning in this lineup, but it's certainly a worthy nomination. And I think she's great in it. Yeah. I think, I think unfortunately she falls to that trope of if any other year she could have won this. It Perhaps, happened yeah. to come out in 1993 and it's amazing. I like it. And I would also like this call out, like I get, these actors aren't actually having sex, but I every time get so pissed at the gay sex scene because you can clearly see the actors cock socks and they are not even trying to hide it. And it's like, at least edit that shit out. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. That's just a filmmaking thing that bugs me. It's not even about the sex. It's just about like, there's the cock sock. All right. Thanks. And by the way, she was nominated for six degrees, but it looks like she did not win it. The Tony? According to Wikipedia. Yeah, it looks like she was nominated for uh, the Tony for Six Degrees, but someone else took it that year. I'm going to quickly check who that was. It was Mercedes Rule for Lost in Yonkers. 
Oh, look at that Mercedes role. She had a good early 90s. Yeah, she's definitely had a much stronger theater presence than film. Another actress Hollywood didn't know what to do with. Right. So, yeah. Right. There we are uh, combining our, our 1991 and 1993 episodes. <laughs> so anything else on Stalker Channing? No, I, I would love her to make an Oscars return, but there this is her. She's one and done. Perhaps. I could see her coming back if someone gave her a real spunky type of performance. I could see it, but uh, not sure. It's hard to hold out with an industry that doesn't seem to be too kind to women of a certain age. Yeah. Next, we are revisiting Emma Thompson, nominated for The Remains of the Day. This is her third of four nominations, previously winning for Howard's End in 92. And then you just heard us talk about In the Name of the Father. Going into this, the only win she has is with the Kansas City Film Critics. She's nominated with the Golden Globes, the BAFTAs, the Chicago, and the New York Film Critics, but does not win any of those. In the remains of the day, Emma Thompson plays Miss Kenton, a housekeeper who works under the butler, played by Anthony Hopkins. She's a loyal colleague and friend of him, and they eventually grow quite fond of one another, but then eventually grow apart. So thoughts on Emma Thompson in the remains of the day. All right. <laughs> it, look at it's an, <laughs> it's another James Ivory movie. Woo! Like I'm so sick of it at this point. It's just the same shit with different actors doing the same performance. Emma Thompson is no exception to this rule. Like I don't get it. I don't get why the Academy is fascinated with this shit. It's so boring it's no i don't mm -mm, nope your turn so as far as merchant ivory goes remains of the day is one that i like a little more than the others um the problem with the emma thompson nomination here is she is so overshadowed for me by anthony hopkins who i adore in this movie emma thompson is bringing her emma thompson charm like we talked about with howard's end and i think she's elevating the character and doing some interesting things that some other actresses might not do um so she's definitely channeling her talents there but she's not the first person that i think of when it comes to this movie i think anthony hopkins gives a beautiful performance in this movie there's, there's so much melancholy to it that i just really love but emma thompson is um i guess she's kind of there for me i love emma thompson and i'm never gonna you know say she was terrible in this movie because i don't think she's terrible I think she's working well with the material that she's given. It's just that she seems to be doing, once again, the bulk of the work. Um, I don't think she's actively bad, but she's not great in this. This is not, I would not put this in like top Emma Thompson performances per se. So yeah, it's um, it's all right for me, basically. Yeah, um, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I like it more than most other Merchant Ivories. Uh, but really, Anthony Hopkins is the one who sells this movie for me. I think this is one of his best performances. Yeah, I can't. There's just a formula to, to Merchant Ivory. And this is, again, just no exception. It's just it's the same shit, different actors. Mm. So I, I, I don't I don't have anything else to say because I don't I don't. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I pretty much summed up my feelings already. <laughs> so, uh. Our fifth and final nominee for the year is Deborah Winger, nominated for Shadowlands. This is her third of three nominations, previously up for An Officer and a Gentleman in 1982, and then Terms of Endearment in 1983. 
She does not win anything major going into this, but she is recognized at the BAFTAs and with the Los Angeles film critics. In Shadowlands, she plays Joy Gresham, a real-life poet who became the life partner, you could say, to C.S. Lewis. So thoughts on Deborah Winger in Shadowlands. My first initial thought is that Deborah Winger loves to die from cancer in movies because it's just like a terms of endearment, different story, but same result. Yeah, my first note on my section for Deborah Winger is Deborah Winger is so good at dying. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just like, okay. Um, this is also one of those stands of Snowball's Chance in Hell of winning. Although, the thought of Deborah Winger winning for this and coming out of the blue would have been an amazing Oscar upset. It would have been like the upset of the decade. Yes. And, Could you imagine? Yeah, and it, I'm going to shock you here. I like this because I like it's not showy, it's subtle, but it's powerful. Yeah. And I appreciate this. And for all of you who say that I don't, I just go for these showy ass roles. Not true. Not true. Um, no, I appreciate this 100%. I think I think what she's doing is really good. I think it's it's a stern presence and performance in this movie, and. I actually feel for joy when she dies. Like I feel the heartbreak that's going on and I, I like it. I think it's, um, it's definitely not winger's best in my opinion. It's, you know, I'll save that for an officer and a gentleman for her best, but it's, um, it's good. I, I like it. Yeah. I like her in this too. I think of this lineup, Joy might be the most relatable of the characters. Perhaps Emma Thompson would be runner-up to that. But I think Joy seems the most accessible of all of them. Um, she's very down-to-earth and very introspective in a way. I, I really admire her sort of questioning nature, her uh, philosophical way of looking at things, which is sort of the way that she and the Anthony Hopkins character sort of become intrigued by one another and it's mm-hmm. sort of their their outlooks on life and how they blend and push each other apart that brings them closer and i really dig it i think the movie as a whole is just okay um i don't think the movie necessarily is anything remarkable but i think she's doing some really good work here and i would honestly say this also might be the most underseen of the nominees in this lineup yeah, it's the hardest to find. That doesn't help it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's barely available on streaming. Um, I, I, watched, like, I streamed it through Hoopla, so it's on Hoopla. I could. It wasn't available to stream on Amazon, which I was surprised, at least when I went to go rewatch it. I actually had to order it from the Kentucky border to not. It wasn't even Cincinnati. It was like some podunk Ohio town. That had it. So that was the only copy that I was able to get through the library system here in Cleveland. Um, Very hard to find. I think she's perfectly good here. I have really no negatives to say. I mean, it's a very drawn out death. I think it takes up like the entire second half of the movie. Yeah. But um, it's very believable. And you really feel for what she and Anthony Hopkins and her son are going through in this movie. And I just have to give a special shout out to Anthony Hopkins. He gives another really good performance this year in this movie. 
his final scene with the son when he's coming to terms with all of his feelings is just transcendent. I was really actually taken aback with him in this. But, mm-hmm. um, of course, he's not nominated for this one because uh, he was all and remains the day also this year. But, yeah, I think Deborah Winger's doing really good here. I think it's a movie, if you're a fan of Deborah Winger and you haven't seen Shadowlands, I think it's definitely worth checking out, if only for Deborah Winger. Yeah, do yourself a favor and check it out. It's um, it's a slow burn, but it's worth it. Yeah, I'd say so, too, actually. So, yeah, that was... That was, a, that was a good lineup, despite one for me, but... Yeah, that was our fifth and final nominee. So, unless you had anything else, we can get to our rankings of 1993. Let's get to them rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, your supporting actresses, again, were Rosie Perez in Fearless, Holly Hunter in The Firm, Winona Ryder in The Age of Innocence, Anna Paquin in The Piano, and Emma Thompson in In the Name of the Father. Um, five for me is definitely Winona Ryder. I just think she's terrible in this movie. Not only that, it's category fraud, so I'm not going to put her any higher. But even if it wasn't category fraud, she would still be number five. What about you? I'm putting Holly Hunter at number five for The Firm. I think she's perfectly fine in the movie, and she does exactly what she needs to do. But I would not call this Holly Hunter's most earth-shattering performance by any means. So she gets my number five spot. Well, my number four is actually going to go to Emma Thompson. Um, She is good here. Um, Again, I think this is Emma Thompson's best nominated performance. Um, But it fall, and I hate because it's such it's such a common theme here. The other three are just doing more for me. Yeah, just the other three. She just falls into that victim slot of the other three are doing more for me. So. Number four to me goes to Winona Ryder for The Age of Innocence. Um, I don't have a problem with her category placement. Uh, It didn't really stick out to me while watching it. And I do think there is something there to this performance if you're really willing to zero in on her and really dig for it. But it wasn't until I was really doing that that I found something special in this performance. Um, So I'm going to give her my number four spot. Okay, I am, like, palm sweaty here because I think I'm changing my order as we're doing this. And it is not what I originally have written down. I'll talk about that in the end. Um, But I think I got to give number three to Anna Paquin. Um, I think where she's good, she's good. But as a whole performance, this is not... it's, It's not consistent enough for me to be like, here's an Oscar. Um... So, yeah, I think the inconsistency of her performance, it doesn't let me reward her now, but it's, um, yeah, she she dropped down to three for me. Anna Paquin's also my number three. I think this is a really great outing for a very young Anna Paquin, and I think she's working exactly as she needs to within this film. I didn't think of inconsistencies while watching it. I think she's responding naturally the way a child would without sometimes always being able to fully process what's going on and sort of responding very authentically on the fly. Um, So I wouldn't necessarily call it inconsistent, but the two performances that I have remaining are a little bit more nuanced for me. Um, So Anna Paquin gets my number three. So that means I have left Rosie Perez in Fearless and Holly Hunter in The Firm, and you have... Rosie Perez in Fearless and Emma Thompson in In the Name of the Father. 
Okay, so here is where it kind of stays the same, but it is definitely a new winner. Um, so it's staying the same with Rosie Perez in my runner-up spot, but I think I'm going to give the Oscar to Holly Hunter this year for The Firm. Um, I Starting with Perez, Perez is fantastic. Fantastic in Fearless. She really takes me on an emotional ride. Um, but it is the movie that drags her down. And I know that doesn't really have anything to do with, at least for me most of the time, with giving an Oscar, um, because she is a force of nature. But I love The Firm. I really, really enjoy watching The Firm. I, it's one of those movies where I'm never bored watching it. And I was actually very shocked here, because Holly Hunter is not my original winner here. She's actually my third place. Rosie's still in second, and I'm still giving it to Anna Paquin. But, like... The in my original lineup here on the paper, um, but talking about it more, I really realized how much I truly appreciate what Hunter's doing here. And in her limited screen time and in her character, she's just a breath of fresh air for the audience in such a heavy film that there is never a moment where she comes off as phony or not realistic, and it's just refreshing. And because of that, I got to give Holly Hunter the win here. And yes, even I am shocked that I'm doing this. Pearls clutched. Did you clutch your pearls? No. When you said you were changing your lineup, I was like, oh, he's going for Holly Hunter. <laughs> oh, stop it. I, yeah, I had a feeling, especially when I saw Paquin was uh, three. I was like, okay, it's going to be Holly. <laughs> but um, That one's going to take the listeners for a loop, I feel. Probably. I'm not yeah. Or they're just accustomed to you making crazy decisions. <laughs> I mean, there's that. Um, my runner-up for the year goes to Emma Thompson for The Name of the Father. She gives a very authentic, three-dimensional performance in this film, and there is such a build-up to her fiery takedown of that guy on the stand in the end. But my winner has to go to Rosie Perez. She is just a roller coaster in human form in this movie. There was times when I just had to take a step back from this film because she was just draining me so, so deeply in this. Um, I just can't deny her power in this movie. So Rosie Perez is my winner for the year for Fearless. And that did not shock me. Oh, I forgot to mention, too, when Anna Paquin, when we talked about her, her name is never mentioned in the movie. So you don't even know her character's name is Flora until the end credits, by the way. Oh, interesting. I wonder if it's because only Holly Hunter, only Ada knows her name, and so no one in the movie's ever heard it. I never thought about that until now. Look at you being deep as fuck. It's a little a little secret that they have. Full of secrets. So our leads, as a reminder, were Holly Hunter in The Piano, Angela Bassett in What's Love Got to Do With It, Stockard Channing in Six Degrees of Separation, Emma Thompson in The Remains of the Day, and Deborah Winger in Shadowlands. My fifth place spot is going to go to Emma Thompson for The Remains of the Day. Um, This is a performance that I don't think is really demanding a whole lot of her. And honestly, she gets overshadowed in this movie by Anthony Hopkins for me. And of her two nominations this year, I guess In the Name of the Father just really outweighs it for me. So Emma Thompson gets uh, the number five spot. Emma Thompson, number five. I can't, dude. I can't. I'm sorry. That's all right. My number four goes to Deborah Winger for Shadowlands. Uh, Deborah Winger is by no means bad in this movie. She's giving a very true-to-life performance, and I think she might be the most relatable, honestly, of all the women in this lineup. 
but the other women that I have remaining give really phenomenal performances. So um, Deborah Winger uh, is going to be my number four. Well, my number four is going to be Holly Hunter in um, The Piano. Again, I'm not as clamored to this performance. And yes, I am saying her performance in The Firm is better than her performance in The Piano. That's just me. But there is not... I just don't connect to this like other people do. And I think it's I think it's okay, but I don't think it's anything to write home about. So with that said, she's my number four. My number three goes to Stocker Channing for Six Degrees of Separation. It's a crime that Stocker Channing only has one Oscar nomination. And Six Degrees of Separation is a really good performance from her. She's hilarious when she needs to be. And she's, she's really just low-key funny throughout the entire movie even when she's not necessarily making jokes, when you're sort of just in on the joke that is her character, she's really funny in those moments. But um, yeah, the other two that I have, Holly Hunter and Angela Bassett, I just find a little bit more engaging as an audience member. Heard. Well, my number three is actually going to be Deborah Winger. Um, I I, I just, I find her to be very enjoyable here. I, I do like her in this movie, but it's just one of those things where I'm not as taken back with what she's doing here as I am with my final two. And I, I don't even think in like another year she could have won for this. I think the nomination is the win, but it's even a surprise nomination. If I'm being honest, it's um that campaign must've been really good. <laughs> so that, uh, yeah, she's my number three. My runner-up for the year is Holly Hunter for The Piano. Um, I really find this performance kind of spellbinding in a way. It's a very... I know I've used the word haunting before, but I can't think of another word for it. There's like a a strange mood that she and this movie have that really work for me, and I really dig the precision that it took for her to execute this character, and I don't knock the nomination whatsoever. But Angela Bassett is just on another level completely with what's love got to do with it. I think she invented the level that she's on because I don't know how many people can even reach it. I mean, without saying so many like hyperbolic things, I don't know what else to say about Angela Bassett. She is by and large my winner for the year. Um, Yeah, this should have been Angela Bassett's Oscar, no question. Heard. Well, I think I'm going to take people by surprise again here with my final two being Stocker Channing and Angela Bassett, um, because I did rave for both of them. Um, but I got to give number two to and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Stocker Channing is getting my runner up. Um, there is no way that Angela Bassett should have fucking lost this Oscar. And you know what? I was considering pulling a tie here, um, which would have been the first tie of this decade. But I can't even justify a tie between Channing and, and Bassett because Bassett is on a whole nother level than anybody nominated in any category this year. Um, she is the only actress, the only actor to make me forget that I'm watching an actor and I'm not actually watching Tina Turner. It's insane. I don't get where the like what was going on in voters minds here this year it is truly one of the biggest robberies in oscar history i spent a solid chunk of my childhood thinking she was tina turner (laughs) like that's how fucking good she is yeah 
It's insanely good. Like, I just, I don't, it's one of those, it's one of those, like, how we talked about where we were both like, yeah, Diana Ross over Liza Minnelli, where I want to go back, just like Diana Ross versus Minnelli, where I want to see the, the the tallies, the voting tallies, because, I, like, I need to know the margin. Like, it, there's no way that Hunter won this in a landslide, I feel. Like, there, it had to have been close. Well, she, in terms of precursors, it was a landslide because she got basically everything. So she was by and large the front runner. But I would be curious to see how close Angela Bassett was. And I, be, it, there's no way Angela Bassett was not the runner up. Could you imagine actually Deborah Winger being the runner up here, just for an example? That would be wild. Like, I just, man, when all those Hollywood WikiLeaks were happening, why did nobody tap into the system that had the tallies? Hello, that's what I would have done. Mm, she's so good. I just. It, I just don't get it. I don't get how Holly Hunter won this. Well, she was my runner-up, so I can conceive of a world where she wins for it. But in this particular this particular year, there's no way she was beating Bassett for me. Yeah, and I'll like I said, I'll have to when we're done here, I'll send you the uh, the, the Andy Cohen interview where she shades Hunter because it is glorious. <laughs> Yeah, as a reminder, my winners were Angela Bassett for What's Love Got to Do With It and Rosie Perez for Fearless. And I was Angela Bassett for What's Love Got to Do With It and Holly Hunter for The Firm. That one actually, like I said, that one shocked me. I had Holly Hunter at three, Perez at two, and Pacman at one. And then I revisited the piano and was like, mm. I then I was going to keep it. But then like talking about it, I was like, no, I can't. I can't do that. Yeah, I do that a lot. I have, to, I have to think out my thoughts out loud, and then I can do my rankings on the fly. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think something, and then I can't fully process it until I put it out there in words. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't do that very often. You know, we, we've been doing this almost for almost a year now, which is crazy to think about it. No, not even. It's been nine months. But, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't change very often, so mm-hmm. it's, very, it's very out of the box for me to do that. Yeah, I change it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but next year we have a – I see, I think next year's a good year. A lot of people don't like 1994, but I think it's solid. It has its moments. It does, it does. But um, until next time, I'm Joey Gentili. And I'm Brandon Stanwick. And this has been Academy Queens, your LGBT guide through the Academy Woods per category, per decade. And at first we were talking about the actresses. Bye. Bye.